basically our point guard, two guard, guarding their power forward. And he says, get that out of here. Brown with two. Stands down onto the football. This podcast is brought to you by Yamble. Yamble is a brand new sports predictions app that lets you predict what will happen on the next play or the next few minutes of a game, place your takes on the game and rack up points as they play out. The highest scores get paid out real cash every game. It's like HQ trivia but 100% free to download and play. You have payouts in every game. Just search Yamble on App Store or Google Play. That's a free app on the App Store or Google Play. They're running three to five games per week during the NBA playoffs. So download now and start yambling. That's Yamble, Y-A-M-B-L-E. Available on Apple and Google Play. Hey guys, welcome back to another Celtics Pulse podcast. As usual, it's your boy Adam. I'm here with Brendan and we've got a guest today. His name's Rob. Beantown underscore 662 on Twitter. He's the first of our many, many fans that are going to be coming on over the next few weeks. So, Rob, how are you doing today? Uh, hanging in there by threads, but I'm gratified that the season is over. Uh, with the, such a train wreck of a season that they've had, but I'm also a little bit disappointed because I really believe that they were going to turn it on, especially after going down 2-1. You know, I, years past teams have always showed at least some signs of resiliency. So I really thought that this would have lit a fire under their ass. But here we are. And that's been one of the biggest problems for me all year. Me, Myself and Brendan have spoke about this on phone calls multiple times. This year, it doesn't feel like a Brad Stevens Celtics team, right? Like that grit and defensive minded play just hasn't been apparent for the majority of the year. Yeah, that's really what it feels like. I mean, it, we like you said, we've talked about this. It doesn't feel like a Celtics team. Like, they rolled over in this game five. Like, there were only a few guys. I would say Marcus Morris, Marcus Smart, and then Jalen Brown I would throw in there also that felt like they were actually competing until the last whistle every game. And that's just weird to say for the Celtics. Marcus Smart seemed like he was the only one that cared yeah, this year. Um, I, at times, yes, I would say Marcus Smart was the only one who consistently night in and night out showed some sort of resiliency, some sort of determination, some sort of grit, toughness, whatever term you'd like to, you know, use in this situation. I thought another guy that really showed a lot of grit, um, outside of his games where he'd throw up 22 shots and be lucky to hit four of them was Marcus Morris. Um, I particularly liked him, uh, just because he kind of seemed at times outside of Al Horford, like the voice of reason, He's the one guy who seemed like he's been around the block a couple times and has seen, you know, what it takes to be, you know, the cohesive factor between the young guys and the old guys. Because he's one of those guys that's in the particular swing age that, you know, he's kind of a younger veteran, but he's also old enough to, you know, realize what you need to do to win and what sacrifices are involved with furthering yourself in the playoffs and getting deep into them. Yeah, and you mentioned Horford. I, I don't want to forget about him either. I feel like Horford had a really good year of being the leader of the team at times, it felt like. But, yeah, 100% on what you said. Marcus Morris had, surprisingly, it, when we're looking back on it, one of the better uh, years as the Celtics. And there were many times where, myself included, a lot of the fan base was just extremely frustrated with Morris for multiple reasons. But now it's everywhere that... Marcus Morris is one of the guys they need to bring back. Yeah, I mean, personally, I went through a bit of a phase where I was like, dude, he just puts up so many shots, he kills the offense. Then over around about the last three to four months, the dude's just stepped up, and he's stepped up at multiple other times in the season, don't get me wrong. But I do feel like he's one of the guys that we do need to try and keep this summer. Starting from the beginning of the season to now that I really don't hate on our you know, the least polarizing, I would say, are Marcus Morris, Al Horford, and Marcus Smart. Those are the three that I would really, really like to see back. Yeah, well, I don't think Smart's going to go anywhere. I think Smart's probably 
the most untouchable on the team in terms of trade packages and stuff, just because of what he means to the Celtics, how he's kind of the emotional leader. He's our Draymond, isn't he? Morris, yeah. I think he's more of a he's more of a flight risk in the terms of if we've got to make salary, if we've got to keep under the cap and we've got to kind of match salaries, he's already an expired contract. Yeah, and I know that his name was thrown around. Uh, Marcus Smart, sorry, I know that his name was thrown around a lot, particularly at midseason when the people started talking about you know what's a formidable trade package to get Anthony Davis, and people started saying you know do we want to trade Jalen Brown or do we want to trade, trade Jason Tatum? But it seemed like the one name that everyone kept throwing just for purposes of matching salary was Marcus Smart. And you really think of one player that really just embodies like a Danny Ainge style of, I, I mean, it's Brad Stevens' team, but a Danny Ainge player would be Marcus Smart. And this is the thing. Like, I actually had a little debate on Twitter today where somebody was, I said that Kyrie doesn't epitomize the Celtics way. Guy come back, what do you mean the Celtics way? Well, that's exactly what it is, isn't it? It's Marcus Smart. Tough, gritty, heart on his sleeve. He'll die for those loose balls. He'll lead by example on defense. Doesn't mean he's going to be the best player on the court. It means he's going to have the biggest heart on the court. Yeah, and like, you know, with 50-50 balls, that with the Celtics, you expect there to be four or five different guys on the floor the second that's happening just playing your ass off like what KG and those 08 Celtics did has always been this identity and moving the ball on offense where it's like, you know, we've had superstars in the past, but we were moving the ball and creating opportunities for everyone. And that just wasn't happening this year. You know, I, I want to ask, cause you threw those names in there of smart Horford and Morris. What are your thoughts on Jalen this year? Um, particularly towards the end of the year, I thought, you know, the one thing that everyone has said since the end of the playoffs last year to now was can Jalen or the the thing that everyone was trying to nail down was can Jalen find this consistency? Can he keep this consistency? Because so many nights he would have, you know, 24 points, six rebounds, a couple of assists. And then the next night he would go out and go one for seven, finished with two points and 27 minutes played. Um, towards the end of the season, particularly in the Indiana series, towards the end and then in the beginning of this Milwaukee series, he really showed, you know, it, it, like, okay, I had this game. Let me take this again and come out and punch you guys in the mouth. I'm the baddest mother effer on the court. And I think that that's something that he has to find. It's not so much technical. It's more intangible with him because obviously the af- athleticism and the talent is there. You've, we've seen him, his ability to hit tough shots, hit shots when it matters, get to the rim but it just seems sometimes like especially with Jason Tatum too both of the the I guess the J team you would call them they just seem to have some sort of disconnect with the engagement and I guess that that factors into some sort of uh some of the chemistry issues that they've had it's like okay this guy you know Kyrie Irving or Terry Rozier is just dribbling the ball around for long periods of time I'm what's the point of me trying to move around he's obviously not going to pass it to me but I mean, I think that that's just one of the things that they have to figure out. That's just one thing that happens with a lot of rookies and, I mean, uh, younger players. Uh, and, I mean, it, that just is what separates the transcendent ones from, you know, the the stars. And it's just it, – it, it comes with time. Sometimes it's not something you can teach, but it's something that I have hoped and I definitely see and hope that he can find within these next couple months. I agree. I feel that he's going to be a good fit. I hope he stays for the rest of the, well, for the rest of his contract minimum. I'm not looking for any trade packages involving him. We've just had Cody jump in. Say hello, Cody. Howdy, folks. Sorry I'm late. It's okay. It's okay. So we're just talking about, at the moment, you know, players that we're happy with, players that have disappointed through the year. Currently, we just spoke about Mook and Jalen. How do you feel about them too? Uh, obviously in the beginning of the year, um, Marcus Morris was one of our more consistent players. I mean, when the early season struggles happened, Marcus Morris and Marcus Smart were our, basically our two only bright spots in the beginning of the year. Obviously, Al is always going to be Al and Kyrie did his thing, but I mean, beginning, it was like a tale of two seasons for both of them where when Marcus Morris was doing really, really well and Jalen Brown in the beginning of the year was struggling to adapt and coming off the bench and, you know, starting with all those guys and being basically the fifth option in the starting lineup and going to the bench. And then at the end of this, around like December, January-ish, he sort of turned it around and looked like the Jalen Brown that we're used to seeing. 
Um, so both of them, I thought they had good seasons. I wouldn't say, I don't think, at least for Jalen's sake, I don't think he improved to where everyone thought he was going to go to. Obviously coming off a really good year last year, thrown into basically the second scorer role, third scorer role for most of the season. And now he was in the fifth role, scoring-wise in the starting lineup. He didn't exceed expectations, but he didn't get below them either. He kind of stayed where he was, which I think is still a very good player, especially for this team. Uh, Marcus Morris, I don't expect back because I feel like he's just going to get paid somewhere else. Um, But I thought they did well. I think when they were on and when they were doing what they really needed to do, I thought they were valuable pieces for this team, some of the most valuable pieces for this team when they were you know, hitting their shots and playing the defense that we expect from them. Um, but they did have their struggles during the season. So let's look at this then. And this is going to be one of the more polarizing questions. Uh, I've had a lot of heat off it today myself. Where do you guys stand on Kyrie? Let's just get into it now. Are you in the Kyrie we want him to stay or the Kyrie it's best if we say goodbye camp? I'll start here. I really am not going to be shook either way. I think that we've seen him progress as a leader. I don't think that he's done a great job of it, but he was horrendous at the beginning of the year at times. But you saw him learn from him his mistakes and keep growing. And what, he's 26, 27 years old. I think that this guy wants to be a leader bad enough that he can grow into it. And next year is the defining year for me on Kyrie, where you know I'm not upset on him having a down a down series against Milwaukee, but it's about the lack of effort where, you know, you're kind of shooting these ISO shots, maybe a little bit too much. And then right after you're not running back down on defense and George Hill is going off every game because you're the one guarding him. And then the comments you're saying after, so I don't think he handled it great, but I trust that if the organization wants him back, that he can grow into that leader. But at the same time, if he's not back, then I'm fine with moving ahead with, We have multiple draft picks that we'll have and great young guys that we've seen the potential that they have from last year's playoffs, given it was a a weaker Eastern Conference, that I'm happy moving forward with, I mean, the main core is Jalen, Smart, Al, and Tatum. Okay. Cody, what about you? All right. (laughs) I I, I want Kyrie back. I mean, for everyone that's saying, you know, he didn't show up against the Bucks, and really for this entire playoffs, and all these people are saying he's a terrible leader. He doesn't, you know, he puts himself in front of the team, and he does this, that, the other thing. It's Kyrie Irving. I mean, I feel like it, there's a certain point where you don't let talent like that go if you have the power to. Um, you, you know, you don't see players leave their teams. You know, teams will get back the bank up for them. Unless there is some, you know, Anthony Davis type situation going on where he doesn't want to be there anymore. Even then, Anthony Davis signed a huge contract because you don't let talent like that walk for nada. And, you know, I feel like, like Brendan was saying, he wants to be a leader. He's 26 years old. You know, many of these quote unquote leaders we looked up to in the NBA are a lot older than that. I mean, LeBron James is in his 30s. Russell Westbrook is in his 30s, if you consider him a good leader or not. And most of these star players, of the star players, top 10 players, Kyrie's one of the youngest ones. I mean, you take Embiid, Harden, no, not Harden, Embiid, Anthony Davis, and Joel um, and Giannis. I think Kyrie is the fourth youngest on the consensus top 10, top 15 list. He's still really young in terms of everybody else. So he does have that room to grow. If Kyrie leaves is the end of the world, yes and no. I don't think we're in the position we are this year where we're a title contender. And even with the season we have, we still have the hopes that we did that, you know, we didn't think there was a team that could beat us because we had Kyrie Irving, because we had the team that we had. I mean, Kyrie leaves, sorry to cut you, Kyrie leaves, it fucks us in terms of finding a replacement with the minimal cap space that we'd have. Yeah, I feel like if Kyrie leaves, it kills us in the sh- like the t- next year. But I feel like with what we believe Jason Tatum will be and what we believe 
that Jalen Brown can potentially be given a bigger role. I feel like they won't exactly replace Kyrie, but I feel like we can still be in the playoffs with the team we have without Kyrie in the East for another year or two. And then with the evolution of a Jason Tatum, a uh, Jalen Brown, and the picks that we have coming in, you know, Rob Williams is going to be a little bit better this year, I hope. Um, That's my take on it. I want Kyrie back. I feel like, you know, you don't let talent like that walk. I feel like this year was just a shit show in terms of roles and everyone coming back. You know, a lot of injuries last year. It wasn't the same team as it was last year, which isn't necessarily a bad thing. It was just, this was a year of trial. This was a year of tribulation. And there's, I feel like next year is a lot more important than this year was. If we run it back with basically the same squad we had this year, which I hope we do, because I have still have faith in this unit. I mean, th- this team is too talented to do what they did. You know, you, you're not going to have four players, five players have some of the worst playoff series you ever have again. I doubt that. I sincerely doubt that. With the player we saw, Jason Tatum, last year, with the player Kyrie Irving has proved to be his entire career, with the player Al Horford continues to prove he is, and Marcus Smart and all this, I and Gordon Hayward, people forget, he had a lot less time to come back than Paul George did. I've been saying that all season. And we'll have Gordo back, hopefully. I feel like this unit, this team, is a lot better next year, just with that extra year. Okay. And now, Rob, what's your take? Are you a Kyrie stay or a Kyrie leave? Um, I think you guys have hit on a lot of points. I've only had about, you know, just under 24 hours to digest this, and I still haven't come up with a definitive answer, but I'm still up in the air about do we, is this a now thing or a later? Because you could go, certainly, you can go one of two directions. You can let Kyrie walk, you can try and find a replacement, look through the draft. Um, there's a couple of good point guards not named John Morant towards the back end of the lottery where a couple of the Celtics picks will hopefully convey this year. Um, and that's certainly one route that you can go. But on the other hand, how many other top 10 players with the transcendentalism that Kyrie provides are there out on the market this year that in specifically speaking that you have a realistic chance of signing? Um, I mean, it's been said a lot this year, particularly by the Boston sports media, that Kyrie's a head case. He says this, he says that, he's the diva, you know, he's polarizing in the locker room. But when you think about it, a, a lot of players who you would consider top three players, specifically LeBron, you aren't going to find a superstar like that. That's just, okay, all about the team and isn't about, you know, me to a certain extent and wants to see his minutes and wants to do what's best for their career and gets into, I guess, I would say disagreements, to put it lightly, with their coaches. Um, I mean, it, it could go, it, there's, like I said, there's no right or wrong answer. I would love to see this team re-sign Kyrie. That's certainly if he wants to come back. I mean, it, you can't really, he's going to ultimately do what he wants to do. I think that if you if Danny Ainge sits down with Brad Stevens and Wick Ruspeck at the towards the middle of June and says, okay, are we going to go all in on him or we're going to put all of our eggs in one basket? Then you try and swing some type of draft night trade for Anthony Davis. Uh, you try to restructure Al Horford's deal. And something that I was thinking about is instead of the one year 30 million he has left, why don't you give him somewhere around four years and 80 million, which would save the team 10 million up front. All right, ten million a year on the back end, um, and then that gives you some sort of cap flexibility after you trade for Anthony Davis. Now, everyone is saying, "Well, let's just go out and re-sign someone else." We lose. We have Kyrie's bird rights. That's why we would have the cap space in uh, in order to re-sign him. There's a lot of cap flexibility and mobility that you really have to finagle with in terms of trying to bolster the squad around him if he inevitably does come back. I think I would be able to give you a yes uh, a stay or go answer in a couple of days it's just something that you know we're everything's starting to unfold there's a lot of moving pieces to this i think that a lot of the uh younger guys who were 
um, very unhappy with their roles, Jason Tatum and Terry and Jalen Brown. I think if you move, uh, well, as far as I'm concerned, I would consider Terry Rozier after his comments last night to be gone. Um, he's probably going to be begging them not to give him, uh, not to extend the qualifying offer just so he can become a, an unrestricted free agent and not waste anyone's time. Um, but I think that that's one of the things that if you want to trade for Anthony Davis and then you can ultimately restructure Al Horford's contract, you definitely have to offload uh, either Jalen Brown or Jason Tatum, maybe even both, and try to throw some cap filler in there. Um, but I think that this is something that is not – if Kyrie does come back, this is a puzzle that's easily solved. I think it involves trying to do more with just a little bit less. Um, but – like I said, I, it's. I think Brendan said it earlier. I wouldn't be shocked either way. This is just something that I think is going to be fluid up until the day that he does sign, and we ultimately won't know or won't be, you know, tipped either way until it actually happens. Another thing that gets me, and it's really, really perplexing me, and it's happening all over Twitter. I'm guilty of it too. Does this common belief that if Kyrie does re-sign, that guarantees us AD? I mean, there's other teams in the in the play for him. It gives us a stronger bargaining chip, sure. But you know that you've got you've got the Clippers. They've got cap space. They've got assets that they can package into a trade deal. Lakers are the same. There's probably four or five teams that can make a run for AD. We can offer a solid package, especially if they want to take the picks that we've got this year. Well, my question is, do we want to offer, or do you think the Celtics would offer, Jalen and Jason plus those picks? Fuck no, dude. I mean, I know AD's good, but it's one or the other, dude. Don't, you can't take the piss here. And you yeah. believe that is the series that Jason Tatum had? I mean, it, if this is last year going into you know last offseason, yeah, it's a completely different story. If they even called and asked for both of them, I would hang up the phone immediately. But now it's, you know, Jason Tatum looked like a shell of himself early on in the Milwaukee series. And, yeah, but, but, I mean, ultimately in the Indiana series, good. I don't think you can judge a player's ceiling based on a game against probably a championship contender at the end of this playoffs run. In his second year in the league, I don't think you can say, right, he played shit. So now he's a trade asset. If you're phoning, if we're on the phone and we're offering you, uh, three or four picks, Jalen Brown, and then you say we want Jason Tatum too, I think you're taking the piss there. I'd say, p- personally, I think you take one of the two. Both of them have a super high ceiling. Choose which one you value more for their style of play. And then go and pick off a, a few other players off the roster. But if I was personally in charge, you're not taking both of them. No fucking way. Yeah, I mean, if I were to choose, if you said, you know, which one of the Jays would you give up, I would probably take give you Jalen, as much as I do love Jalen. I love our young guys. Um, my whole thing about it was with trading Tatum when this was whole thing in December, um, and everyone's like, no, don't trade Tatum, blah, blah, blah. The feeling is Anthony Davis right now, in my opinion, is probably a top five, top six player in the NBA right now. He's like, what, 24, 25? Yeah. What are the chances that Jason Tatum becomes a top five player in the NBA the next four years? I think he might. I believe you. But I don't think it's happening. That's the thing. So then you look at it. You look at it in a few different ways. Do you want the cat flexibility uh, with a rookie contract that Jason Tatum's on and then Maybe you can use his numbers against him, saying, well, you only score 16, so we're not going to give you a max and do that, this, the other thing. It's it's tricky because, you know, we get so involved with these players and we get so, like, emotionally attached with these players, especially the young guys that you draft, that you watched in college. You're like, well, that guy's nasty. It would be great if he was on our team. And then you actually get him. And then you see the potential. And you see, especially with our Celtics fans and how much Jason Tatum has those Paul Piercy kind of vibes to him. And you just, you know, you fall in love with Paul Pierce and you think you just got it again. And you kind of have to take yourself out of it and look at it as a logistical and sort of that business standpoint. If we can get AD for Jason Tatum and the picks, I'm down. 
But if they ask for a Marcus Smart, if they ask for a Jalen Brown on top of that, I don't think I do that. No, me personally, it's one or the other, man. I mean, look, AD's AD, we get it. And it, they're in a position where it's a, you know, they, they can hold whoever they want to ransom because there's other teams throwing up a, a big package too. But it, there comes a point where you're mortgaging your, don't forget, this guy can still walk. Do you know what I'm saying? It's not like you're bringing him in and you've got three or four years locked down. This guy can come and then be, decide, you know what, this ain't for me. And you've gave up the future of your franchise for a rental. It, it's just, there's too much that hangs in the balance. We go for another year of this, what we've been through with Kyrie. Is he staying? Is he leaving? Oh, we need to succeed in order to convince him to stay. There's just... I'm not down for that. Not if it means losing both Jays. I'm no chance. I might be wrong. Other people might feel the same way as Rob. Where it's, you know what? Let's give them the both. Well, I would only be in the. I say I would only be in the business of giving them both if you have some sort of, you know, mutual understanding between, you know, the Celtics front office and Anthony Davis's camp that Anthony Davis has every intention of re-signing with you beyond next year. Then it's okay. Let's pull the trigger. One bird in the hand is worth two in the bush. We're getting a top five guy. And this is the thing that people seem to forget, or at least most people on Twitter, that a year removed last year, specifically when they swept the Blazers in the first round, this is a guy that was putting up, you know, having, I seems like he would have two or three games a week like this where he would put up 40 points, get, you know, 15 to 20 rebounds, a handful of blocks. And then you'd look at it and say, oh, Anthony Davis had a good game. But if it's any other player that had that stat line, you'd be like, holy sh, you know, this is ridiculous. But yeah, that's true. I, I mean, horrible. he went on. Yeah. And I, I believe, it, I mean, any sort of trade, you're very right. Uh, I mean, it, it, everything's a calculated risk. Um, but in the NBA, especially with trades, when you're at a turning point like the Celtics are, um, it, it's the most difficult thing to have the best of both worlds where you are in complete win now mode without mortgaging your future. Um, I mean, we saw the Cavaliers do that there. They, they had no sort of mobility this year, uh, last off season. Uh, they still have very limited mobility. Uh, and I think that they get off the J.R. Smith contract this year and the Tristan Thompson contract of two years. Um, but I mean, you just, you do everything you can and essentially put all of your eggs in one basket. If you want the best chance to win, um, but I mean, yeah, it, it, like I said about the Kyrie situation, it's all very fluid. Um, and I mean, everyone's entitled to their opinion. It's just all about what you prefer. Yeah. And this is what makes it so much fun because we can just debate like this. Code it. How much does 80s injury history factor into this? That's a good one. I mean, if I remember correctly, he had like, cause I know that he's had some nicks and bumps, which like hurts him. I don't know exactly like. Remember he had like a finger issue one of the first years and he had like a knee problem. So he's played in 60 games every year except for this year in which he sat out due to he hates New Orleans. And I feel like for the lowest he's played is 61 games in a season. He had 75 the last two years in which he went on that run and whatever. And he's only 25. He'll be 26 next year. I think even with the quote-unquote injury history, you pull. Because you're getting a guy who, if you take 2017-2018, he was averaging 28 points, averaging 2.5 blocks, 1.5 steals, 11.5 rebounds, 2 assists, and he was averaging 4 assists this year. He has, you know, only fouling two times a game. I mean, that's... Incredible. Yeah, yeah. On top of yeah, the, yeah. in the 80s in the free throw, and he can shoot 50%, 53 in 2018. His his three balls coming together a little bit. Shot 34 last year and 33 in limited action this year. I mean, that's Anthony like freaking Davis, man. Yeah, like legitimate MVP and defensive player of the year candidate. That You know, I, I'm glad you pulled those numbers. I didn't realize he was playing that many games every year pretty consistently. Yeah, I mean, obviously the injury history, I think a lot of it is just nicks and bumps. Where, like, he'll miss a week here, and he'll miss a week there. He'll miss, like, two weeks in the season, but you see it three times in the season. 
or four times he's like Anthony Davis is out. So you think, oh, this dude can't play, you know, 80 games in a season, which he hasn't played 80 games in a season. I'll give you that. But I feel like the injuries he has sustained, I don't think any of them are like career threatening, something to look out on if unless I'm missing some super injury that just blows my mind. I think he had a finger issue where he was out in his second year, rookie year. Other than that, man, I mean, like historically, he's putting up like win shares numbers next to some of the best. I mean, Amari Stoudemire in his prime, Blake Griffin when he was great. Jimmy Butler, all on basketball reference, if you want to look this up. Like, win shares, like, he's putting up Elgin Baylor, Adrian Dantley, Rick Barry numbers. Like, what? <laughs> yeah, I mean, he's – some people make the argument that he was just a stat stuffer on a bad team. Um, but, you know, last year specifically, he had – that team was good. They advanced to the second round of the playoffs. Um, but it, he, people just don't seem to understand the magnitude of what he can do on the court and you know what he can do on a contending winning team, or I should say a contending team uh, has yet to be seen. And that's completely, you know, the unknown is a very good argument. Um, but getting back to the injury thing, it's not like he's Joel Embiid when, you know, especially in nowadays or specifically this year when, it's not abnormal for team or players to be healthy scratches, specifically Joel Embiid this year, uh, Kawhi Leonard and Paul George to a certain extent towards the middle of the year for, you know, load management, take, uh, you know, a night off. We wanted this guy to be in his best health and, you know, best condition when it matters towards the end of the year. And everyone had these same exact concerns about Kawhi Leonard. Now Kawhi Leonard, six, seven, not seven foot. So, it does get it does differ to a certain extent, but it's not like he's played thirty four games a season for five six years. It's this guy is the real deal, and he's proved it, and he's done it almost every single year, with the one year uh, one outlier being this year. I mean, that's just and like I said, like everyone loves Jason Tatum, like, but do you think Jason Tatum in his career will be considered? where Anthony Davis is currently being considered and still has probably seven years of a prime left. I mean, I mean, if everything goes, like you said, like the injury history, a little bit there, but Anthony Davis is special. I mean, I've been watching basketball probably a little bit less than you guys have. I started in 2010 and, you know, I studied a lot of big men in my time, you know, when I was playing basketball, Tim Duncan, Akeem Olajuwon. Kevin Garnett, I mean, this guy is on that level, and I believe that. I mean, it's a little absurd to call a 25-year-old Hakeem Olajuwon, but, like, he's on that level. If you look at the statistics, you look of just he's just been on a, a shitty team. And I feel like I feel like his career is super similar to what Kevin Garnett was. I mean, the numbers are almost identical. The impact, I mean, they're different people, but they were on a bad team for their entire career. Everyone's like, how are they going to do this? What are they? They probably have the same things about KG. Was he a good player or was he just a good player on a bad team? I, I just, I have that type of vibe. And I feel like we could do 2008 again. Uh, this is a 25-year-old, three-time All-NBA caliber player yeah. that we're talking about here. This is just like where... You know, going out and we're trading for, throw out a name, we're not going to trade for, um, you know, Yusuf Nurkic or, yeah. uh, well, he's all good and whatever, but, um, or we're not trading for Montrez Harrell as good as he is. We're trading for cream of the crop. He was the best big man up until this year when, you know, his off the court antics started to overtake the focus of, or uh, took the spotlight away from his on the court production. I mean, this is a guy that's, he is a franchise-altering player, either way that you split it. Okay, so if you have to give up both the Jays, what else are you packaging in? I mean, there's got to be a limit to what you... I'm, I understand where everyone's coming from, and I agree. He's an all-NBA talent. He is probably your best chance of getting over the books next year, because if we run it back like this, that gives Giannis another year of development too. So... 
where do we go from there then? Who, who, what else are you packaging in with that deal before it becomes too much? I'm trying to see which draft pick, because like you said, if this is an all-world caliber guy. This is a top five player in the NBA and probably will be a top five player in the NBA hopefully for the next five years at least. And it will be top ten for at least the next seven. Um, like Yeah, it's like my, my biggest worry is at the moment, Kyrie started the year saying, <clears throat> I'm going to re-sign with Boston. I'll be back if you'll yeah. have me back. Right. Saying it and doing it are completely different. Yeah. We're still at the end of the year questioning whether that's going to happen or not. Like, that's literally been one of the main talking points of this podcast. Yeah, that's I mean, fine if it's it yeah. that you've traded, you know, an injured it, a pick that turns into Colin Sexton, Jay Crowder that's not there, whoever else. This time we're talking about giving up two cor- franchise cornerstone young guys plus however many picks we throw in. Right. You yeah. need that I'm, solid confirmation, dude. Before yeah, you, you do. I I wouldn't do both Jays unless, like you said, I got a, a basically he came with the, that contract ready to be already signed. Yeah, it's got to be in blood, dude. I want some like devil magic I mean, on it or something. I'm, I'm a big b- your word matters guy. I mean, I was very up in the air when Kyler Murray took his name out of the MLB draft or didn't sign with the Oakland Athletics and went to play football. I thought that was kind of a, you know, I'm a big, if you say it, you keep your word because that's, I don't know, that's, that's how I was raised. If you say it, make a bet. It's you as a man making that bet, making that Says promise. the guy who was late to the podcast. All right, but he look, turned look, up, but he turned up. <laughs> <laughs> no, that's fair. Good point, Brendan. Good point. Anyway, <laughs> other than me, because don't worry about me. Or worry about professional athletes, <laughs> which is the big focus. So say we got the contract in the mail with Anthony Davis and the two Js. You'd probably have to throw in Memphis, even though I like that Memphis pick a lot because I don't see them getting any better anytime soon, depending if it conveys or not. Uh, you probably give up ours. I think you keep the L.A. Clippers pick, which would be, at, what, 17, 16 around that. Um, other than that, I think you give up our pick and the Memphis pick. I think three first-round picks with and the two Js is a little much, even for Anthony Davis. I mean, I'm just trying to think of, I mean, when we, we traded for Ray Allen, who was a pretty good player, but it's also a different situation. You know, you try to find in history something so similar to that, but I don't think, you know, a player like Anthony Davis getting traded where he's at, that's like the closest thing I can think of off the top of my head is like trading Kareem to L.A. And where do they get back for that? So... I don't know. I really don't know where you draw the line. I mean, you you know, coming to the Celtics in 2008 seems, in essence, a little bit similar. And, I mean, yeah, you have a point, Al Jefferson, who's a great player, um, or was a great player, and you give up Ryan Gomes. Usually the teams that trade away this, you know, their franchise cornerstone don't receive even half of you know, the impact that they traded away. And you do have a very good point, which is why I think that ultimately New Orleans is going to force however many teams throw their hat into the ring, into this bidding war, um, to overpay, maybe even grossly overpay for Anthony Davis. Do we think that if the Knicks landed the number one pick and they seem to have a strong feeling that they're going to get Kevin Durant, that they would trade the number one pick for Anthony Davis? I mean, we're talking about throwing fucking both Jays and three first-round picks. They better be giving up more than that. So it's going to be first picking who? Kevin Knox, uh, Frank Nicotina, maybe Mitch Robinson. I think you have to give up. I think you have to, if if you're going to trade, if you're going to package the number one pick, I think you ultimately have to give up Mitchell Robinson too. Kevin Knox had statistically one of the worst years a rookie has ever had. So you've got Mitch I mean, Robinson, the first round pick, and then what? You're gonna have, Knox is gonna have to be part of it just because he's still got that upside. As much this as this also is Zion Williamson, though this guy is like what the most hype guy coming out of college since I mean 
it, it really feels different. Like it's almost the most hype around a guy coming in the league since you want to say LeBron almost. Well, yeah, I mean, this guy's been having highlight reels since high school, dude. I'm the other side of the world and I know what he was doing in high school. Fucking hell. But yeah, I mean, this is what I'm saying. There's multiple different ways that this can go. My worries and my biggest question, if we re-sign Kyrie and don't get AD, where do we go from there? Can we improve to the point where next year we don't get blown out in the second round again, running it back with this squad? I'm just going to interject real quick before we go to that Kareem trade. Sorry, I looked up the Kareem trade. It took a 25-year-old center named Elmore Smith, a rookie point guard named Brian Winters, and the second and eighth overall picks in 75 to get from Kareem to L.A. So if we're looking at that, I feel like the two J's and those two picks should be fine. All right, you go. Sorry. Yes. Yeah, so oh, ca- you're okay. I, I was actually going to look up the 1975 draft to see what those picks conveyed to. Yeah, okay, think, so just to yeah. carry on that question, where do we go if we don't get AD? How comfortable are we putting Kyrie on this huge deal and running it back with this squad? Do we feel like we're going to get past the Bucks next year? I'm fine with that. I mean, like we said, Kyrie's 26. The other guys are 20 and 22 years old. Uh, I think that we still have plenty of room to grow. Like, this isn't the final form of this team at all. Like Cody said, Gordon Hayward isn't healthy. It took... Paul George a year and a half Gordon should come back to near all-star form kind of like we saw at the end of the year after an entire offseason of him progressing that this team still has to me two other gears at least that it can take it into eventually okay I agree with that and I also did did all of you see the press conference last night yeah that wasn't great no but what I did like and I really appreciated this from Brad Stevens. For me, when when somebody can look inwards and be like, do you know what? I did a bad job. I didn't do my job. And that meant that nobody else could do their job well. Having a coach like that that's so self-aware is only a good sign moving forwards as well. To me, Brad's one of the best coaches in the league. I love his demeanor. I love the way his outlook on the game. I do feel like a few little tweaks, like if... Rogier's gone, dude, and I'm cool with that because there's been so many times this year that I fucking hated him. Um, If Brad Wanamaker leaves, where do we go then for the backup point guard? Who's going to be... How, are we going to run smart at the point? Because Kyrie likes to play with smart because of the spacing that smart provides. Well, not the spacing, but, you know, he handles the ball a bit, lets Kyrie play off ball more. That's a better way of putting it. Yeah, well, we do have, I mean, three draft picks at the very least that we can fill this out a little bit with. And I believe we also have some second round picks that we're looking at. So, I mean, we can fill it out at least, you know. I mean, I'm not too worried necessarily. Our depth is going to get a little bit more questionable. But I don't think that it's going to be necessarily terrible where that's our downfall. Is Bain signed for this year coming? Was it a two-year deal he signed last year? Yeah, he has a player option, yeah. So he's coming back. I want some time, Lord. I want more time, Lord. I'm calling for this guy, man. I've got faith. Yeah, I mean, to go off with the point guard, I mean, I was talking with Brendan actually earlier today about some of the point guards in the class, and they were talking about if, you know, say Kyrie leaves, do you go after John Morant? Well, you don't exactly need to replace star point guard or star point guard. If, say, you keep the same team and Kyrie goes... Now, you could probably get a facilitator, a Rajon Rondo type, to give the ball to the Paul Pierce and Ray Allen you got, and the Kevin Garnett. So you could go a different way. I feel like that score-first point guard, which is what we had for the last three, you know, four years, ever since Rondo was gone, we've had score-first point guards, and IT, Terry Rozier, um, and Kyrie. You know, Trey Jones took his name out of the draft. Which I thought he would have been perfect as like yeah, a with that, that twenty three. I'm um, thinking about this point guard class, and I'm not a huge fan of it. I mean, the three names that come to mind obviously are John Morant. There's Kobe White, who I see more of a combo guard, and with the season he had, he could probably go top ten, uh, at least in the lottery. Darius Garland's an interesting pick, but he also might go pretty early. And he tore his ACL, only played three games at Vanderbilt. Other than that, I mean, Shamore Pons, but he was, I don't really love him. I don't think there's 
this is a great, good – I don't think this is a good point guard class. I think as John Moran, who I think is filthy. Kobe White's more of a combo guard. Darius Garland has a question mark. And other than that, I just see a lot of second round guys. So we could get in the second round and get somebody from, I don't know, maybe a Frank, Frank Mason, Devontae Graham type player, who a veteran college player who was a facilitator. That'd be cool. But I feel like we could make a tra- uh, you know swing a trade for a lower level second round pick from last year. One of those two players even, or a low impact veteran, a low cost veteran, maybe a Rondo, maybe someone of that caliber rather than go all out with it. Give me Pat Bev. That's who I want. Give me Pat Bev. Good luck. Yeah, no, I, yeah, I think Clippers are keeping hanging on with him. If Brennan gets his way, he'll be wearing a Sacramento uniform. Oh yeah, there, there's definitely a team out there that's going to give him somewhere in the range of ten to fifteen million dollars in three to four years. So yeah, I mean, it'd just be nice. Imagine a backcourt. Yeah, I mean, backup point guards that are available, but like you're saying, we don't know how much money we have. Is like I mean, there's a Corey Joseph. I don't know how much you trust Alfred Payton's injury history. Tyus Jones. I mean, we talked about Trey. I don't know, but he is restricted. It depends on what Minnesota's doing with that. I mean, there's okay serviceable oh. guys. I'd hop all over Tyus Jones if we could so afford I- it. Oh, that'd be perfect. You know, he set a NBA yeah. all-time record for assist to turnover ratio. That's what I yeah. want. I want a good point guard who can handle the rock and give everyone else the ball and shoot a 31 open. That would be my wet dream of a point guard for this team. And he's a hustle guy. He's the only guy that Jimmy liked on that team because he actually plays his ass off. Yeah. I mean, that might be a pipe dream. Just like you said, depending on what Minnesota does. Um, I don't know, man. I don't know. I just want to keep playing basketball, but we're not. (laughs) So guys, we're coming towards the end of the podcast. So, Rob, as the guest, you can pick the final topic. Oh, boy. He really put me on the spot here. Yeah, um, I've been saving okay. that. Right. Does, it, does it have to be specifically Celtics? Because no, there, was no, go, go today that, there was some pretty big news today. There was some pretty big news today that came out, and Kevin Durant is going to be Oof. unavailable for games yeah. six and seven. Yeah. To me, this is exciting. What do you guys think? we get to see the old Warriors again. Like, Steph has been playing terrible games, and then yesterday Durant goes down, and all of a sudden he goes 6-7 to seven to close out the game, and he goes back to God mode. So I think that this puts a little bit more pressure, honestly, on Houston, almost, in a way, because now it feels like it, this should be theirs to win. But I am, I'm excited. I, I'm ready for these Warriors to come back, for Steph to go God mode again. So I'd like to jump in here and say, calm as a motherfucker. Because pretty much what happened to Chris Paul, that everyone said, oh, the Rockets would have won if Chris Paul hadn't have got hurt, has now happened on the other foot. I'm really excited, and I hope, and I know this is bad, but I hope to God the Rockets can beat them, just because I won a finals without Golden State for a year. Yeah, so I I have been publicly on the Golden State Warriors side wouldn't say I'm a fan of the Warriors. Obviously, I bleed green. But I was like one of the six people left on Earth that don't see anything wrong with what the Golden State Warriors did. And I love watching the Warriors play basketball. I said it. I love watching the Golden State Warriors play basketball. Kevin Durant is my second favorite player in the league behind Marcus Smart and has been for a while. So here's what I will say. I will say this helps. This could make or break Stephen Curry and how we view him for the rest of time. Because Stephen Curry is obviously a top, probably a top five point guard all time already. Just with what he's been able to do in the last four or five seasons, his impact of the game, how he basically changed the game single-handedly almost. And he has the three, the three rings, whatever, but every single ring always has an asterisk. Oh, 2015, the Cavs, like, legit exploded before you even got to face them at full strength. Then 2016 happened, you guys got bullied. 3-1, blew it. Then the last two years, you had Kevin Durant saving your pansy ass. This could be a huge series for Steph Curry, like Brendan said. 
sucks. KD goes down. He goes off like the stuff we know. This could be huge. Yeah. It should also be huge for Chris Paul. Also be huge for James Harden because you assume if they beat the Warriors, they have that free pass. Or I wouldn't say free pass the way Denver and uh, Portland have been playing. But they are will be the favorites to make the finals. This also makes the Eastern Conference teams, if Golden State goes down, I think the Milwaukee and Toronto, who I believe, I believe Toronto will move on. Whoever wins that, they'll be the favorites in the East and take two basically franchises that haven't sniffed anything either ever or since the 70s uh, a championship. So this is actually huge for not only the landscape of the NBA right now, but when we look at the NBA in the next 10, 15 years and start raking these players who are retiring all time. Okay. Yeah, I agree. I think that this kind of just dares Houston. Like It's almost like, a, okay, the ball's in your court. You have two chances to win one game. But we've won with, you know, the shell of this group before. I, I mean, I'd love to – I'm ecstatic to see, A, Steph Curry get to shoot, you know, 30 shots a game again. See Clay Thompson become, you know, 1B or option 2, whatever you would like to refer to him as. I'm excited to uh, also see Jonas Rebko get some run. I'm, I'm kidding on that one. But I think that the thing that I'm most worried about are, are two things is that Whenever shit hits the fan for the Warriors, Kevin Durant's almost been the safety valve for him. It's like, okay, we're not hitting. We're getting out-rebounded. We can't get any sort of penetration. We can't get anything. What are we going to do? And then it's just like, okay, KD, iso ball, you know, he hits some sort of off-the-screen three, off-the-dribble. Um, but now the other question is, are you going to be forced to play Alfonso McKinney or Jonas Urebko or – Someone on that bench, maybe even Jordan Bell for, you know, 15, 20 minutes a game when, you know, the three of them have nearly not sniffed the court at all in the playoffs. Um, So I just think that there's more questions than one and it affects more than one aspect for the Warriors. Um, But like you said, I'd I'd love to see someone other than the Warriors come out of the West this year. Uh, It's just been incredibly redundant with, you know, LeBron versus Golden State. And this, you know, has more implications than just you know, are the Warriors going to win a title this year? Like you said, it's going to affect the landscape of the NBA for years to come. Okay, guys, so that's going to wrap us up for today. Rob, thanks for joining us. Uh, You're always welcome back. Just hit us up if you ever want to come back on. Guys, as usual, we'll be back again on Monday for the next episode. And we'll catch you soon. Peace.